This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Minutia Man Celebrity Interview is up next, but first... Take a listen to this other fine old pie show. Come meet your new friends, Tommy, Kimmy, Sam, right here with Ant Friends. On this week's episode of Ant Friends, I bring back Florida Man. That's right. He's back. Along with the UK season of horny spiders. And I teach everyone what a cloake is. It's going to be all that and more on Ant Friends. Listen to Ant Friends on Spotify, opashows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opi production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview with Rick Kempfer and Dave Stern. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opi show on the radio. Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. All right, this week's guest is a, uh, a bona fide rock star. You couldn't grow up in the 1970s and not know about his band, Grand Funk Railroad. You remember the songs, I'm Your Captain, Bad Time, Some Kind of Wonderful, Locomotion, Foot Stomping Music, We're American Band. Those are just a few of them. He is the founder of the band, the writer of most of their hits, their lead singer. We're thrilled to have him on the show this week. Please welcome Mark Farner. How are you doing, Mark? Good, Rick. Good to be here with you, brother. So, you know, we were talking just a second ago off the air here, and I didn't realize that you are a, uh, a lifelong farmer. Is that true? That is true, yeah. Uh, I always uh, loved working on the farm down in, in the, at my uncle's dairy farm in Marlette, Michigan. And I just had it in my head since I was nine years old. When I grow up, I'm going to be a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, I, and here I am, a farmer that farms. You know, um, we're going to talk about a great cause that you're working on in Michigan there. Um, in just a few minutes, but I want to talk to you about your Michigan roots because I didn't even realize that the name Grand Funk Railroad comes from a Michigan, uh, iconic Michigan thing. Yeah. Yes, the Grand Trunk and Western actually runs through Ontario, Canada, Michigan, and Ohio, and it's uh, it's called a Grand Trunk and Western uh, Railroad, and the the name actually was a, the name of a song that Terry Knight wrote. And he said to us one day, why don't you guys just call your band the name of my song, which is Grand Funk Railroad. And we said, okay. <laughs> and that was it. Really? So that I mean, was you, it, dude. you were in that band, Terry Knight and the Pack, right? Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, which was a huge local Michigan band. I mean, I have a friend of mine uh, grew up in Ann Arbor, uh, his name is John Landecker. He's a he was a big uh, rock and roll disc jockey, and he he always talked about how much he loved that band. Awesome, yeah. We we had uh, a great following, and back then, Rick, it was uh, family owned radio stations. You know, families owned them. The, the seven 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 rule was in effect, and right. you could own seven AM, seven FM, seven television stations, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so all the the people that owned them, of course, are uh, just you know they got kids, and we we go do uh, like the uh, television station in Cleveland, and Hermit Spiro would invite us over 
his house for a barbecue. We go over and play touch football with his kids or flag football and do some crazy stuff. I mean, here we are, <laughs> like 19 years old out there playing with these kids. It was a, it was a blast, but that's when people owned it and, and people right. controlled uh, the airways. So it, it was a totally different scenario than what we have today. Yeah, that's kind of hard to even explain to people uh, today what that was like because it was Absolutely. just a whole different ballgame. Now, a oh, one, one of your first hits with Grand Funk Railroad is one of my favorites still. It's I'm your captain, which is... 50 years old this year. I can't believe yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even feel that old, Rick. <laughs> it's an, isn't that amazing? <laughs> oh. Tell us about the origin of that song, where it came from, because I know you wrote it. Yes, I wrote it, but I I always say my prayers. You know, I'm a Christian, and I, I used to say my prayer just for the fire insurance, you know, just <laughs> say, in case this stuff really is real, you know. <laughs> but I... Uh, you know, I did the now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. It's what my mother taught all of us kids, six yeah. kids. So I, and I still pray that prayer. And then I put my, you know, eh, God bless the grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, cousins, you know, name it. And on the end of the prayer, I, one night there in, on the farm down in Partialville, Michigan, I asked God, I said, God, would you give me a song that would reach and touch the hearts you want to get to? I got up three o'clock in the morning, something like that. I wrote the words, but I didn't know it was a song because I write stuff. You know, when I wake up in the night, whatever's on my mind, I write it down. I got a little legal pad there alongside the bed, and I just jot it down so I'm not waking my wife up or anything. Yeah. But, but you know, on that legal pad, I wrote the and I. As I'm writing it, I'm in between the state of sleep and consciousness. I'm kind of in between, and it's a crazy, wonderful place to to be, yeah. to uh, to feel it, and it's very inspiring. But the words weren't making any sense to me <laughs> as I'm writing them. I just said, oh, "That's interesting," and I just kept going. I got up in the morning, went out, made my coffee, and I'm sitting there in the in the kitchen on the farm. I'm looking at the horses out in the pasture, and I'm sipping on my coffee, strumming on my flat top. I had a George Washburn, a U.S.-made George Washburn acoustic. And I started like, I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then I hit that C chord that I, I'd never made that inversion. It just, God gave it to me. That's all I can tell you. I didn't know it until I played it, but it sounded good. And I'm like, wow, that's a good chord. Well, then I said, well, maybe those are lyrics in the other room. So I went and got them, laid them down on the kitchen table, and started playing. And it, it was exactly the way I wrote it, came out. But all the orchestration on the end of that song, Rick, came from a guy from the Upbeat Show in Cleveland, Ohio, Tommy Baker. He was a band leader. Oh, wow. And he heard me playing that song, this was before we even recorded it. We recorded at Cleveland Recording there with uh, Ken Hammond. But before we recorded it, Tommy says, dude, I love that. I love that lick. Is that a song? I said, yeah, we're going to record it. He says, dude, go lot long. Just go long on the end. Just repeat that over and over and over till you get sick of it. Give me some, some time to stretch out. 
<laughs> so, and I, I didn't know what he was thinking, but I respect this man with all of my respect. I mean, I saw James Brown fire a guy right on the spot <laughs> <laughs> on the show one day on the upbeat show. And I'm standing there with my mouth open because James just pointed and the guy left. Yeah. And then he's he goes, famous for doing that. If oh, you... dude. And, but then he asked Tommy Baker, he says, can you, can you blow that chart? And Tommy came over and looked at it and said, hell yes. <laughs> and he, so he, he, he stood in there. So he had all my respect and the band. I mean, Brewer loved them too. So when he got done with, I'm your captain, we just sat there and, our heads were in the clouds. We're going, oh, my God, that guy blessed this song. He really blessed this song. So I always have to give kudos to Tommy Baker well, it and is, his creativity. It's a great song, and I have a confession to make. You know, I was a, uh, a rock and roll disc jockey for about a decade in, in Chicago at a rock station called The Loop. Oh, and, yeah. And we played I'm Your Captain quite a bit. And every time I saw it on the playlist, I was excited. And not just because I really liked the song, which I do. But can you guess why I loved it so much as a disc You could have your cigarette. You could get a snack. You could go go number one and number two. You got it exactly. (laughs) Ten minutes, baby. That was every disc jockey's dream. (laughs) I loved it. Now, oh man! To those to those listeners who didn't grow up in the seventies like I did, it's kind of hard to explain just how huge your band was. I mean, you were playing giant arena shows. You sold you sold out Shea Stadium faster than the Beatles. Can can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like and playing in front of huge crowds like that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the when we knew we were going to play Shea Stadium. Uh, I found out when we were in Europe um, doing our European tour, and we had Humble Pie opening the show in Europe. Wow. And it's our first time we'd ever seen these guys. But Steve, Marriott, and I, we would, after our gigs, we'd go out to the pubs and, and get a beer and sit in a booth, and both of us are singing back and forth across the table at each other to the top of our lungs. I mean, and everybody in the place is looking over at us like, who are these guys? Who are those blokes? so when we came back to the u.s i said i told terry knight i said dude we need to have these guys opening our shows in the u.s man let's bring them for the u.s portion of of this year's tour and he says i'll see what we can do so he went talk to d anthony who was their manager at the time and they came to the u.s and they debuted on second base at shea stadium that was their first gig wow cool (laughs) yeah you talk about uh, a blessing to the world, and I love that version of of the band. I mean, when I had Marriott and Frampton, and, yeah, sure, and Shirley on the drums, um, like a but, superstar band. Yeah, but when we left the heliport on the East River to fly uh, where we were supposed to go to a limousine um, landing in this parking lot, and the limousine was supposed to be there, we flew over the stadium and physically. <laughs> Dude, God, that is so, the that thing is so was cool. bouncing, was bouncing. I could, I mean, we're going, holy crap, man, this is, that thing's going to fall down. <laughs> well, the fire marshal thought it was going to fall down, too, and almost stopped the show. But uh, when we landed, there was no limo. So one of the guys that was in the chopper with us ran down to the corner uh, to a payphone. This was before cell phones. Yes. 
<laughs> ran down to the payphone, makes a call, and about two or three minutes, man, there's cop cars come flying into the parking lot with their lights and sirens going. We jump in the back of the cop cars, ride over to the station, or to the stadium, switch out into the limo, <laughs> which is parked outside the stadium, and we drive in in the back of the limo, and everyone went, eh. But uh, that Amazing. experience, brother, of, you know, the Shea was like a, a half circle around the field. And those people in that array singing back to us was louder than the PA system. God, how, how did that make you feel? I mean, that must Dude, have just been unbelievable. I'm telling you, I have goosebumps right this minute, Rick. <laughs> I'm telling you, they come back to me when I when I relive that in my mind. And yeah. When I speak of it, because it was such an exciting moment in my life, such a pivotal point. Uh, and because I wrote every song that we played that night. I mean, I was the sole song writer at that point. Right. I'm very proud of that gig. You know, um, I know you were in Ringo's All Star Band for a while. Do you ever, do you ever needle Ringo about selling out Shea faster than the Beatles? You know, like, hey, Ringo, you think you, your band was a band? Well, how about this band? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't bring it up to him, but enough people that were in our entourage sure did. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, and and when we went to, you know, we started in Japan. We had eighteen days there before we hit the U.S. and we, when we got there, they had a, a news corps and they had a press conference and and they had us up on this stage and the and the uh, all the press was down in front of us and we, they had us at a table and Ringo was in the middle and we, the band went down both sides, kind of like the Last Supper. It looked you know with Ringo in the <laughs> yeah, middle. Sure, exactly. And so this young gal comes up and says, "Mr. Fern, what is it like playing with Beetle?" And I go. I stood up and I said, honey, I'm going to tell you something. Ringo puts his pants on one leg at a time, just like I Ringo stands up, Rick, and he walks over, puts his arm around me and says, thank you, brother. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that, I recognized him as a human being for once. That know? is awesome. Now, you know, the, the Beatles are, are, are my heroes. I'm guessing you have a pretty strong love of the Beatles, too. Oh, yeah, man. Um, was it? What was it like just touring with uh, with that all-star band? I mean, that was just, uh, obviously, an all-star band. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, God, yeah. And, and learning the parts right from the guys who played them on the record. Like, yeah. you know, Randy Bachman, he showed me a, the Power G, and he's responsible for that Power G entering into my songs. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> from that point on, you know, and having Zach Starkey, kicking your ass down that stage, that was not a bad groove at all. Uh, Ringo did most of his, his you know, up front on stage right. without, you know, going to the kit. And he would only go back, you know, maybe on a couple of songs randomly, and nobody knew when he was going to go back there and play. But there was a set for him, and then there was Zach's set. Well, and but, Zach is a hell of a drummer. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah, and, and not only that, I mean, Mark Rivera... Yeah. Who who did our you know the background vocals acoustic saxophone? We had uh, Felix Cavalieri on that wow. that tour, and and Billy Preston and John John Entwistle and Entwistle, he was so loud that he actually and I was stationed next to him. He <laughs> played so loud it threw my equilibrium 
on. <laughs> I, was, I was sidestepping down the stage. I'm going, I go to Ringo, Ringo goes, what the hell is going on over here? Because I had to drag my microphone stand off the stage left and upstage <laughs> because I couldn't be in the line of those speakers of his. It was just That's great. absolutely killing me. And I said, I just can't take the volume ring. I'm sorry, I, got, I can't even sing. I don't even hear my note when I'm in front of that thing. But John, God rest his soul, he was deaf in a post, man. He I mean, must I didn't have been. realize how yeah. deaf he was. Well, I guess all those guys are. Pete Townsend, too. I mean, he, he wears uh, hearing aids now. Oh, um, yeah, man. Uh, a lot of us do. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I know. It it happens even to us fans, even to rock and roll fans, it happens. Um, yeah. I, I know you worked uh, closely with another one of my favorites, and that's Todd Rundgren, who produced a couple of your big albums in the 70s. Now, I've heard he's he can be a little difficult to work with. Was What was your experience like working with him? Todd was a, a wonderful experience, a very respectful dude. And because of our uh, musical talent, he, he figured that he could make us sound like us. And that's what he told us when we first. And, and by the way, his name came out of a hat with uh, 12 other names that we had picked for Oh, producers. you're kidding. No. Wow. And that's how we did it with Todd, and that's how we did it with Zappa. Wow, we pulled we pulled names. Well, it helps when you put hat. good names in there, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> great name. There wasn't Producer. Joe Schmo from the down the <laughs> no. down the block. No, but he was uh, a virtuoso. Really, I mean, it, it got, we're out there playing our hearts out, dude. We're doing a take. I look in. Todd's leaning back. He's got his feet up on the console, and he's reading a book. <laughs> and I'm going. That ass. <laughs> he should be pushing buttons and turning knobs. What is he doing? No, he, that just came to him as a natural gift. He is. I mean, he, he's got it, man. He, like, he lines himself up with that music. And if he's got respect for you, which he did for us, yeah. then uh, there's no bumps in the road. And he doesn't you know, become forceful and push his way like I've heard that yeah. he could if you know, you were the wrong people. <laughs> well, I mean, it, the the albums he did were two of your most popular albums. Uh, yeah. Um, and I, I've actually got a story about one of them, if uh, if you'll indulge me. Uh, Please. Um, I don't want to date you, but I was in fifth grade when uh, one of those albums came out. And, <laughs> and, and our music teacher in elementary school wanted to bond with us, so he asked us each to bring in our favorite records. And I, I brought in Yesterday by the Beatles. I was just kind of getting into the Beatles then. And yeah. my buddy Bill Nicholson brought in We're an American Band. And Mr. Yonke, our teacher, was not thrilled when he heard the lyrics. Uh, <laughs> you know... Booze yeah. and ladies, Chiquitas from Omaha. You guys uh-huh. were you, you were naughty boys back in the day, weren't you? Well, if you if you believe Brewer's lyrics, uh huh, which I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's you know all tongue in cheek. Yeah, and there's only uh, the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but I thought you'd get a kick out of that. A little fifth grader. Uh, I appreciate Mr. that. Mr. Yonke, here's a song about groupies. <laughs> uh, all right. That's great. So I got one last Grand Funk question. We can get to uh, some of the other stuff here. But um, 
One of my favorites is Bad Time. And I know that uh, you wrote that song, too. Can you tell us how that one came? Was that a dream also? No, that was a reality check. I, uh, my, my first wife, I was married for like two years. And, uh, and my first wife was, uh, I'll just say, we were having some difficulties in our relationship and uh, you know I was gone and and on the road and when I was gone away the cat would play and I so I made up my mind and uh, when I got back and I was I had heard some stories what have you but then a friend of mine that I trust with all my heart told me something I said and I confronted and she didn't deny anything and I went in, I sat down at this little spinet piano, and as she is pissed off and threatening to put a 12-inch cast iron fry pan through my forehead, (laughs) (laughs) I'm in there writing, bad time to be in love, brother. And, And that song was played more than any other song in 1975. And it was for the very reason that we spoke of earlier. Uh, the people were still calling, and this is before they deregulated. And this is when radio was its best in the hands of patriotic American families. Yeah. There was moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas that had moral conscience over what our children were seeing and hearing. And right. that all disappeared in 95 under the Clinton administration you know i wrote a whole book about this uh i wrote a whole book of i'm i'm uh you know a a broadcaster and that uh, deregulation in 1995 96 is the worst thing that ever happened to the media you are so correct 100 percent right on rick that was it man that was the straw yeah and we've been sliding down further and further because it gave our enemy the ability to lie to the masses, and they don't know the difference. They they watch and believe the television. That's where all this hatefulness comes from. People watch and believe that hateful crap, and yeah. they they adapt themselves to it. I don't know why, uh, but I I'm with you. That was the worst stroke against our country because that that took us that took the people out of the picture. It did. Let, let's talk about the people because you are a man of the people. And I'm really, uh, I really admire what you're doing there for your fellow Michiganders. And there's been so much terrible news in this country over the past few years. Some stories don't get the attention they should. And there are some really terrible floods in, in Michigan. I'm sure people remember this. It caused terrible devastation. Can you talk a little bit about what the people are going through? What inspired you to start up that GoFundMe page for them? Yes, these are my people. As you know, I'm a, I'm a home state guy. And my favorite teams are the teams from Michigan. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, mine aren't from other states. I, I'm a hometown guy, I'm a home state guy. And when this happened, brother, uh, my wife Lisa and I were talking. We said because we we know people down in that area who sent us videos, bro. That it, it wasn't you know. I mean, the news was on it for two seconds and right. then it was gone. Yeah, but that 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 doesn't uh, stop the the respect that I have for my fellow Michiganders and the people that were sending me these videos, I said to Lisa, I said, we got to do something. And then my manager, Abby, he says, why don't you guys do a GoFundMe? So we started Mark Farner's Mid-Michigan Flood Relief, 
to bring some cash into it. I know it's a, a hell of a bad time to be asking people for cash, but I asked, and I said, if you could just give a little, you know, a lot of littles make a lot and can make a difference, and we give it to the Michigan Red Cross, who is attending to those families in need down there. Yeah. So uh, that's what initiated it. It was our heartfelt reaction, and these are our people. These are our closest, uh, you know, citizens to us in, the, in our state. So... Uh, out of respect for them and our love for uh, the state and the people of the state. You know, we're trying to help. Oh, my brother lives in Michigan, and uh, I love Michigan, too. Um, and if people want to contribute, and I plan to do so as soon as the interview is over, you go to the GoFundMe. Uh, it's Mid-Michigan Relief Fund. Uh, yes, Mark Farner's yeah. Mid-Michigan Relief. So look for that. Before we continue any further with Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we talk about crazy cool Mopar colors from the past, plus some great songs about cars. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Trading your driver's license for noodles. Blessing nuclear weapons. Hey, Veronica, turn off your camera. My brush with a 90s uh, political figure. And a snippet from an interview from a rock legend. All that in unlimited tangents on Minutia Men. Listen to Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. We're back. Now, I know that um, concerts are basically not happening anymore, but if people want to follow you and maybe come out to see you when the world returns to normal, why don't you plug away? Give us us all the places where people can find your stuff. Well, at markvarner.com, there is a, a running uh, list of, you know, our itinerary of, of where we will be playing. A lot of people that thought they would play shows, like we had some people uh, that were promoting concerts at drive-in theaters in Florida. We thought we were going to uh, be able to do that, you know, uh, yeah. because they held on right till just recently and then right. pulled us belly up. Um, and, and it has been that way on every gig that we were supposed to play in Florida, or not Florida, but uh, Illinois, just outside of Chicago down there, um, September 12th, and they just canceled that uh, last week and have moved it to 2021. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. yeah, at least they're keeping the, the date on the books, but they, they had to push it back here. So that's kind of what it's like right now. Where is that one in Chicago? I'm, been- I'm coming from Chicago right now. Where which uh, is that at the... Where is that one? Do you remember off the top of your head? I think it was over um, near Peterick. Oh, you know, okay. You, yeah. <laughs> right. I, it may have been that Gene- Genesee Theater, but there was a involved, but there was it was some kind of festival they were going to okay. have. Okay. Yeah, I've got a Jim Peterick guitar hanging on my wall here in my office. All right. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a good brother. Yeah. All right. Well, Mark Farner, this has just been a heck of a, a thrill for me. Uh, I'm a lifelong fan of your music, and uh, and I think you're just one of the greats. And I, I'm just just thrilled to have been able to talk to you today. Well, I appreciate your heart, Brother Rick, and I appreciate you and the little bit of fill-in you gave me. Uh, I know we are brothers from different mothers. Yes, we And, uh, hey, 
God bless you, man. Knock them alive down there. And if I don't see you in the future, I'll see you in the pasture. <laughs> I love it. Talk to you later. Thanks. All right, brother. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo backwards. O-P-P-I-H shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silla, Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It's just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with another edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. And on the next Back to You, we're going to find out a lot of things about the art of fine cooking, but we're not going to find it out from Steve. One thing I do know that we learned, and I'm glad that it was reinforced, you've got to keep your feet out of the salad. We're going to talk to private chef Mike Cabisa. You're going to get hungry when you listen to Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. We're excited to look at the Champions League final, the Europa League final, and sum up the transfer dealings that are going on around the country. It's the season finale of Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. If you missed Losano or Los Los Anno and friends, here's what you missed. I thought we got over our fight from last week. We had a little tiff that was (laughs) going on. Are you still angry with me? I hope not because we're supposed to do something tonight. Oh, we are supposed to do something tonight. Oh, we are. Oh, we we have you. No, we're going to. We are going to. What right. pray tell are I'm you guys going yours. to do Tony, tonight? I'm all yours, Tony. I'm all yours. Wow. Well, all, right. all right. That's on the record. You <laughs> get that in writing. Yeah. Do you want Do you want to tell them what I, how I asked you? Do you remember what I said? <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, he was like, it's not going to include Star Wars or sex, but hopefully it'll still be just as fun. It was probably the best text yeah. Yeah. I've ever received. Ooh. Radio Misfits. Get more Lozano and friends. Losano. Now on Losano.com. Good luck trying to spell Losano or whatever the f- it's called.